we're continuing in our Powerball series today. We got to part number three. Uh, we've already discovered through this series uh, that we can actually access the kingdom of heaven now. We don't have to wait till we die. And the Powerball of the farmer and the seed told us all about that. Last week, we uh, discovered that the father uh, never stops searching until he finds what is lost. And uh, we discovered that through the Powerball of the lost coin and the Powerball of the lost son. Well, today... We're going to deal with the subject of uh, persistence, persistence. Uh, Who is the most persistent person you have ever met in your life? Maybe it was a salesperson who just wouldn't take no for an answer and you finally bought what they were selling because you just wanted to get rid of them, right? Some of you, maybe your kids are the most persistent person that uh, you've ever met in your life and they just keep nagging and nagging and going on and going on and going on and then finally you cave in and you give them what they want. Maybe you've got a mother who keeps nagging you with her guilt and uh, so she keeps going on on and on, and in the end, you succumb to her guilt. Who's the most persistent person that you've ever met in your life? I'm going to tell you about a couple of people who I think are really persistent in their life. The first one is my sister. My sister is a Mary Mary Kay consultant, and uh, she, uh, about uh, five years ago, decided she wanted a pink Cadillac, because if you do enough sales in Mary Kay, you can get a pink Cadillac. And so she got a picture of a pink Cadillac, she put it on her refrigerator, and every day she would look at that pink Cadillac, and for 18 months, that picture just drove her towards making enough sales for her pink Cadillac. In the end, she did get a pink Cadillac. For me, why do you want a pink Cadillac? I have no idea. I mean, I'd rather like a black one, or a silver one, or a gray one, or a blue one, but a pink one, I mean, they look pretty nasty if you ask me. But anyway, she was so persistent in doing what she wanted to do that she got it, and, and and it kind of inspires me to like someone actually that persistent on something as like a pink Cadillac. Then there was another guy, and this guy is actually in our church. His name is John Jones. John Jones is one of the most persistent people I've ever met in my life. He's actually probably like teaching some of the youth right now over at the little chapel across the street. Uh, but he is married to Diana Jones. Diana Jones used to be Diana Lynn. And I remember and I knew them before they ever got married together. And John Jones had this thing for Diana Lynn. And he started to pursue her. Diana Lynn did not want anything to do with John Jones at all. If you want to know who Diana is. She was the one singing right here, the pregnant girl right singing right here. And uh, he was all about Diana. And so he did everything he could to win Diana's heart. But Diana was just a cold hearted person and didn't want anything to do with him. So he like threw a big birthday party for her. I remember we got invited. We we're like, the dude's not even dating the girl and he spent all this money on her. He would send her flowers and do all this different stuff, this crazy stuff. In the end, she broke, and she said yes to a date, and three kids, a mortgage, and a dog, I think, later, they are still together and happily married. If you are a single person, and you are trying to figure out how to get hold of that person that you like so that they will say yes, go see John Jones, because he is the most persistent person I have ever met in my entire life. Persistence is something that is hard. It is a skill that is hard to do, because this is the reason why, because we want something, we desire 
we go after it. But the problem is we start to get discouraged and lose heart when we don't get what we want. And so often we give up. People with persistence, they carry on and they fight through. Actually, there's a a lady who wrote a book. Her name is Angela Duckworth. Angela Duckworth, she was a New York City teacher and could not understand why some kids excelled in the school system and some kids did not excel in the school system. So she started to research it and she became a professor um, in the end and she wrote a book and we got a picture of the book. It, the, 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 the name of the book is called Grit. Grit, the power of passion and perseverance. And in this book, she said that that people who are successful in this world are not the people who just like have a short burst of energy and do a lot of things in a short space of time. Uh, they're not the ones who, who have really innovative thoughts and, uh, and, and try to get something done quickly. They are the ones who over a long period of time, they take their passion and they match it with perseverance and they create this thing called grit. And she said that anyone who's successful, and she saw this in the New York school system, the kids that that was successful were the kids that had grit or what she would call they were gritty kids. They were gritty kids. And so she talks about people in business and in life who are gritty because they're the ones who become successful in life. And this reminds me so much of Jesus. I think Jesus was a gritty kind of guy. In the way that Jesus lived his life, he was a passionate man and he also had a lot of perseverance and it was this grit that drove him forward in life. You see it in his teaching. You see it in the way he conducted himself. You see it when, when he was in the desert and he was tempted by Satan. He had this grit that was able to get through the temptations. And you see it in the way that Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed gritty prayers. They were passionate and they were full of perseverance because Jesus was a man of prayer. And in fact, if you read through the gospel accounts, you will see many times where Jesus is in a crowd of people and Jesus slips away when everyone else is having a great time. He slips away so he can start to pray to his father. See, Jesus was a man who understood that prayer was important in life. And the disciples saw this and they saw that Jesus was a man who not only had a passion for prayer, but he also persevered in prayer. They realized that Jesus was a gritty prayer. And so they started to to see this and they started to to look and, and question, well, how can Jesus pray like this? Why can't we pray like this? Now, in our culture today, in our world, you see all different kinds of prayers. You see the people who say grace at the dinner table. They say a prayer. I remember growing up, we would say prayers, and let's be honest, they were just words that rolled off our tongue because we had to say it before we ate our dinner. You know, we had one eye open, seeing if anyone else is like taking the, like, the fries and stuff while everyone else is praying. You've you got some people, they say bedtime prayers. I know with my son, we, we make sure every night before he goes to bed that we pray with him and we say our bedtime prayers with my son. You, you, you see other kinds of prayers. You, you, you see uh, the people who, who, who just say very reverent prayers. Oh, you see people who say very basic prayers. One of the favorite prayers that I've ever heard in my life was a prayer by Ricky Bobby in the movie Talladega Nights, where he talked about 
little sweet baby Jesus prayer, you know? He was like, my Jesus is the baby Jesus. And it was a funny kind of prayer. If you've ever never seen that movie, then just watch that part. Don't watch the rest of the movie. Just watch that part. It's, it's hilarious. But then there's the people in a lot of churches throughout the world, and, and their prayers are Latin-based language prayers. And you would never be on the, able to understand what they are saying unless you speak the language Latin which is a distinct language now. Nobody actually uses it except for people who are scholarly or people who are in church. And then you have people like Muslims who they bow down to Mecca every day, five times a day to pray to their God. Uh, You have people who will kneel down in a pew with some prayer beads and they will pray. And there's all these different ways to pray. And often we think, well, what is the true way to pray? How can we pray? And so Jesus, when he prayed, he just seemed so natural in his prayer. It was so simple in the way he prayed. And so his disciples started to ask him, they wanted to know Jesus, what's the secret? They're like, Jesus, you say words and God answers your prayers. What's the secret? What, 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 what are we not saying that you're saying? What are we doing that, you, that, what are you doing that we're not doing? And then this, they said these words, Jesus, teach us to pray. And so this brings us to Luke chapter 11. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 11 and, and read a few verses from Luke chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke 11 and we're going to start reading at verse 1. It says that once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus said, this is how you should pray. So they all got their phones out, or they all got their little notebooks out, and and they started making notes. Okay, this is how we should pray. And this is what Jesus said. It said, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. And we dealt with that a couple of weeks ago about being in the kingdom of heaven, that we can experience the kingdom of heaven now while we're still here on earth. We don't have to wait until we have a funeral and we pass to the next life. We can experience the kingdom of heaven now. And so Jesus says, may your kingdom come soon. Then he says this, give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't lead us, or don't let us yield to temptation. So here Jesus is giving a prayer, and some of you are like, well, that's not the whole model prayer. Well, actually, if you go to the book of Matthew, Matthew gives an extended version of this prayer. Luke here just gives us a shortened version of this prayer. But it's important why we're in the book of Luke and not the book of Matthew this morning, because of what Jesus says after this prayer. See, Jesus gives this model prayer to pray. Most people know this prayer. Most people know the Lord's Prayer. I remember growing up in school, and uh, we actually said the Lord's Prayer every day at school, and we went to a state school, a a city school, and so you can't do that anymore. But lots of people, they grow up and they know the Lord's Prayer. Many of you, you, you've memorized the Lord's Prayer, or you've said the Lord's Prayer some point in your life. Uh, Growing up at church, we used to sing the Lord's Prayer. And so many people, they know this model prayer that is known as the Lord's Prayer. But so many people miss what Jesus is trying to say because they stop right there. 
They stop in the model prayer, they take their notes and they go away and they don't hear what Jesus is actually saying next to his disciples. Because Jesus starts to give them the practical application of how to apply this prayer to your life. And he uses a parable to do it. And we discovered that a parable is an earthly story with a spiritual meaning. It is taken from a Greek word which means to pull together. And so Jesus uses this story to pull together this model prayer and how we as individuals, we should pray as well. So we're going to continue reading in Luke chapter 11. So in verse 5, as soon as he's finished this model prayer, it says, Then Jesus teaching more about prayer. Use this story or use this parable. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. If you come around my house at about 11 o'clock at night, I'm going to say exactly the same thing. He says, I can't help you. In verse 8, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, what sort of friend is this guy? If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Maybe if they ask me for a dog, I might give them like a hamster, but I'm not going to give them a snake instead of a fish. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is what happens. Jesus given this story. There is a guy who a visitor comes to his house and he has no bread for him, no food for him at all. And so he's panicking. So he goes to his neighbor's house late at night. The stores are closed. He can't go to the market and get bread. And so he, 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 he doesn't know what to do. And so he goes to his neighbor's house. And Jesus uses this story. The guy keeps knocking and knocking. The neighbor finally opens the door. And then Jesus says, says these words that if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door will be opened unto you. Now, just those few words that Jesus said there, I have heard so many people quote those verses where people are praying. People are praying for something in their life, and they're like, well, if you just ask, God will give. If you just seek, you'll find. If you knock, God will open onto you. And then when their prayer doesn't happen, often people say, well, it's because they had a lack of faith. And that is not right. That is not what Jesus is saying at all. See, this prayer here isn't just about praying anything you want at all. Like, hey, I want a new Mustang. Oh, man, God didn't give it me. Wow. I must not have enough faith. No, that isn't what God or Jesus is saying right here. 
See, if you take into the context of what Jesus has just said in the Lord's Prayer, the request that Jesus just said, and now let's take into the context of this parable. So why was this, this, the, the, this man uh, knocking on his neighbor's door? If a friend of mine comes at 11 o'clock at night uh, and I got no bread, I'm like, hey, go to bed and we'll try to figure out something in the morning. No. In the ancient Hebrew times in, 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 in uh, Judea, where, where, when this story happened, bread was a sign of hospitality. If somebody came to your house, then you would offer them bread. If you did not offer them bread, then there would be shame over your house. Even if it was a relative, someone in your family, or a friend, or a stranger, you would offer them bread. If you did not have bread in your house, then there would be shame over your house. And so this man, a friend, has come to visit, and he has no bread for his friend at all. This is the worst thing ever. Now, we don't have this when people come over our house anymore. You know, it's not like you offer bread, and if you don't have bread, it's shame in your family. But, you know, there are certain things in your you know, house. If, if your friend comes over, you make sure that you have it. You know, if your friend goes to the bathroom and there's no toilet paper, it's kind of shame on you, right? And this is the same in, in this culture. Because there was no bread, so the guy starts panicking because now there could be a breakdown of their friendship, of their relationship, because there is no bread at all. So he goes to his friend's house, and his, his neighbor's house, and he's like, I need bread, help me. I need bread. I don't have anything. I've been caught off guard. See, he was not right to have bread. See, and this guy started to come to his neighbor out of desperation. And this is exactly how Jesus desires you to come to the Father. Out of your need for the Father. See, the, the man needed his neighbor at that time. And you need your Father. Actually, the Father desires you to come to him out of a gritty desperation for the answer of prayer. God doesn't desire you just to come, hey God, if you're there, then maybe you can help me out on this situation. If not, then I've got some other options. No, God wants you to come to him in this gritty desperation saying, God, I need you. I need your help right now. And I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep answering until I can find that answer to prayer. For it is the prayer of desperation that will have grit. And it is grit that will have you hold on to God until you get the answer to that prayer. See, the prayer of perseverance is not about nagging God until God gives in. It's not about keep coming to God every day. Okay, God, today, 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 now, now, now. Like some kid does with us and we're like, in the end, okay, you can have the chocolate. Jeez. God doesn't do that. No, God is wanting you to come as an act of knocking and asking day after day, day after day, because he is building your character. He's building you up. He's building that grittiness within you, that passion and perseverance that comes together because he desires his people to be serious. And he desires his people to come to the Father out of an act of, I need the Father and desperation. And so out of this story, we see a few different prayers that God is desiring us to get gritty about. And the first one is this. I believe that God wants us to be persistent in asking for provision. 
be persistent in asking for provision. Jesus, at the beginning of the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, he gives three prayer requests. Well, four prayer requests. The first one is, may your kingdom come, and we dealt with that a couple of weeks ago. But the next prayer request is this. Give us the food we need for today. Or some translations say, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. See, bread was a constant in the Middle Eastern diets. Everybody knew that you needed bread in the house. If a visitor came, you needed bread. For your family, for your children, for, for, for your livelihood, you needed bread. If a family had bread, they could survive. Because they, they, they could be able to feed themselves and not starve. Now, today, bread isn't so much the constant in the diet across most of the world. Rice is the constant across most of the world. In Africa and in Asia and South America, you see that if people have rice, they know they can survive. In North America and in Europe, it's a little different. We're all about potatoes and corn. You know, if we have potatoes and corn, we can make anything, right? I mean, we, we, we can do whatever. We can, we can get by with potatoes and corn. And, and, and without this, without this bread, then people would not be able to survive. Now, we're not starving. And, and nobody here today, I believe, is starving. Nobody here is, is, is waking up tomorrow saying, how am I going to feed my family? Yeah, there's some people who are better off than others, but let's be honest, nobody is starving. We don't even know what the concept of starving is, but yet we still have a need for daily bread. And I ask you today, what is your daily bread? What is the thing that sustains you? What is the thing that keeps you constant? What's the thing in your home, in your family that you need day after day? If you don't have it, you will not survive. Maybe for some of you, it's a paycheck from an employer. Maybe for those salespeople amongst us, it's that sale. If you don't make that sale, then you're not going to be able to pay the mortgage and feed the children. Some of you this morning, maybe it's a social security check. Or a retirement check. If that does not come, you cannot sustain throughout your life. You cannot sustain that week or that month. What is the constant in your life that sustains you? Jesus is saying this. Whatever that constant is, don't rely on what this world will provide for you. But get some grit and come to the Father. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 tells us this. Jesus said this. He said, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, righteously, and he will give you everything you need. This is what Jesus is saying. If you live in the kingdom of heaven, then you do not have to worry about what you're going to eat today. 
You don't have to worry about provision. Do you know why? Because your heavenly father has already taken care of it. That is why Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray, pray like this. Pray, give us the food we need for each day. Father, come and give me the provision that I need. See, Jesus is saying that we should be persistent in asking our heavenly father for our daily provision. For he is our source and he desires you to see him as your source. Be persistent in asking for provision. The second prayer we see here is be persistent in asking for forgiveness. Be persistent in asking for forgiveness. Jesus says, knock, keep knocking, and knock some more until you receive the freedom that comes only from being forgiven. But there's a catch to this. See, Jesus says, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There's a catch to this prayer. See, Jesus is saying, do not come to the Heavenly Father and ask for forgiveness if you're still harboring unforgiveness towards somebody else. Come to the Father and ask and be persistent in asking for forgiveness, but make sure that you are forgiving others. And once you start to open your heart to forgive others, then the door of heaven will open up to your knocking soul. I love what 1 John 1 verse 9 says. It tells us this. It says, if we confess our sins to him, meaning the Father, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Did you hear that? That if we are able to confess our sins to him, then the Father in heaven is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's an amazing truth that there's no other religion or faith in this world can attest to. That if we confess to the Father, then we don't have to work towards our Father helping us or forgiving us or getting over what we've done in the past. Saying if we confess our sins to the Father, then He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins no matter what you've done, where you have been, what you have thought, what you have worshipped. If you get gritty about confessing your sin and asking God for forgiveness, then the prison that your soul has lived in for so many years will break open and you will be free. Be persistent about asking for forgiveness. The third prayer that we see here is being persistent in asking for protection. Be persistent in asking for protection. Jesus said this. He asked the Heavenly Father in the model prayer. And don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us yield to temptation. Jesus is saying God protects us against temptation. See, temptation is very real and it's very dangerous. How many times have we regretted that we've done something? How many times have we done something and thought, oh, I just wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't thought that. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't acted in that way. See, temptation is very real and it catches us off guard. Sometimes we've done something before we've even thought about doing it. See, that is temptation. It will catch you off guard. And most of us, we understand our weaknesses and so we fight against those temptations. But this is how we fight against those temptations. We try to get away from the temptation and we try to starve that temptation so that it will go away. But really, how often does that work? 
Because as soon as that temptation appears again, we succumb to it and we yield to that temptation. But Jesus says, I have a better way. I have a better way. And if you are dealing with temptation today, whatever that may be, maybe it might be a temptation, a sexual temptation, or it may be a food temptation, or it may be a temptation to, to, to look at things you shouldn't look at, or do things you shouldn't do, or temptation to say things you shouldn't say, or to cheat at work. Whatever your temptation may be today, temptation to get angry or to get jealous. Jesus says, I have a better way. And this is what Jesus says. He says, to ask and keep on asking. And then ask again for God to help you not to yield to temptation. How many times do we wake up in the morning and we ask God, God, help us not to yield to temptation. 1 Corinthians verse 10 and Verse, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 12 to 13 tells us this. It says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Again, we hear this word, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. For when you are tempted, he will show you a way out So that you can endure. So this is what the Bible is telling us. That when temptation comes. If we are persistent in asking God for protection against temptation. When temptation comes. God comes. Takes us by the side. Takes us through a little door into his kingdom. And he leads us along a path of safety. Away from that temptation. See, I see in this model prayer that Jesus is giving us permission to be persistent in asking God for provision, for forgiveness and protection. I remember my very first experience of buying a car. I was in the car dealership and I wanted to buy a Fiat Bravo. Most of you probably wouldn't even know what a Fiat Bravo is, but I really wanted it, but I couldn't afford it. And so I I went in and they gave me this offer, but I could not afford the offer. But I felt just the squeeze of the salesman and he was trying to to sell me. and, And I had a pen in my hand and I was about to sign on the dotted line a car payment that I never would have been able to afford at all. And something within me was like, please, somebody get me out of it. Please just like transport me like in Star Trek away from here. Because I can't, but I knew I was just coming to that temptation. See, six months before I'd signed a gym membership that I could never afford and I couldn't get out of it. So I knew what the feeling was like. And something within in me said to the sales guy, hold on, I've got to call my dad. So he was like, okay. He was like, you can just sign it and then ask your dad later. I was like, no, no, no. I need to ask my dad because I've got to get permission from him. I just knew I did not have it within me to yield, to, to stop that temptation. But I knew my dad did. So I called my dad and my dad could just hear on the phone. And he knew that I was, you know, in a place where I just didn't want to say no. So my dad said to this, he says, put me on the phone to the sales guy. So he put, I put him on the phone to the sales guy, and he to the sales guy, he says, look, he says, he says, we'll think about it, and if we want it, we'll be back tomorrow. He says, and then he said to me, he says, I want you to get, get, uh, get, get your wallet, pick, stand up, get out, and walk out of there. 
And I had the strength to do it. And I was like, okay, my dad told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. So I picked up and I walked out of there like I was empowered. Why? Because I needed the help of the Father, my Father. And that's the same in us in temptations in life. We can't yield. We yield to temptations at times, but we need the help of the Father to get us out of there. There's one more prayer that is not mentioned in Luke chapter 11 that I want us to quickly look at today. It's actually found seven chapters later in Luke chapter 18. And I believe Jesus wants us to pray this prayer and get gritty with God about this prayer. This is what it says in Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never get up, give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then Jesus said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered to a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? I believe there's this one more prayer that Jesus wants us to pray. And he longs for you to knock, knock, and keep knocking at the door of God for those who are facing injustice or those who are facing a just ruling from God. Let me quickly explain. The persistent widow here had some injustice in her life. And her persistent, her, her persistent request yielded the judge to answer her request and give a just decision. I believe the heart of Jesus and the heart of the Father is to give justice. And we see last week that the Father will not stop searching until he finds those who have lost their way. And there is no one that God wants to send away. But there will come a time in this life when God will judge the nations. For he is a just God. And those who have not given their faith in Jesus Christ, they will come before a just God and he will give a just ruling. And that ruling will not be favorable towards them. And they will be sent away and they will spend an eternity in an eternal damnation away from God and eternal hell. I believe that God does not want to give that ruling, but he is a just God. And Jesus tells us in Luke 18 that we are to pray for justice. Pray for those who are suffering justice. Pray for, the Bible tells us to pray for the widows and the orphans. 
Let's pray for the homeless. Let's pray for those who can't help themselves. Let's pray for those who are persecuted. Let's pray for those who who don't have fresh water or food to eat or a house to live in. Let's pray for those people because they are suffering the injustices of this life. And, And Jesus is saying, if you keep praying and keep praying and keep praying, then a just God will come to their rescue and give them a favorable ruling. But there are those which have a worse judgment coming than those who are poor or sick or those who don't have clean water or who are orphaned or widowed. They are our friends, our families, our neighbors, our co-workers. The ones who are so far away from God that they have lost their way. And Jesus is saying this. Let's get gritty about praying for their souls. Let's get gritty. Let's be passionate about their souls. Let's come to God in perseverance. And let's get gritty about coming to God. Because Jesus said this, if an unjust judge will listen to the perseverance and the persistence of a widow or a woman, then how much more will a just God hear those who are faithful and righteous? God will hear you if you are persistent in your prayers unto him. And maybe today you are not used to this kind of prayer. Maybe you're just used to a grace before the dinner at the dinner table. Maybe you're just used to a a quiet bedtime prayer or a reverent prayer you may say in church. You're unsure about this gritty kind of prayer saying, who are we to come to God and ask and be persistent before God? Well, if that's you, then Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 is just for you. This is what it says. Hebrews 4, 16. So, let us, talk about those who are part of the kingdom of heaven. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Hebrews is telling us that we are to come boldly to the throne of God. Come boldly with our requests. I believe our request for provision or our request for forgiveness, our request for uh, protection and our request for justice. See, this is what I believe for when the request is a legitimate request. God allows you to be bold with him. I want to end today with a very quick story. Back in the mid-90s, I, heard, I saw a VHS tape. How many of you remember VHS? One of those things on the screen. It was of a choir in Brooklyn, New York. It's called the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. They were the choir of a church called the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And... My mom loved the music of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, so she had all the CD, well, the tapes at the time, and the VHSs. And I remember I was sitting down one day while she was watching it, and I started watching it with her, one of the VHS tapes. And 
there was a guy on there, this African-American guy who was singing a song called, I'm Clean. His name was Calvin Hunt. And then he sang the song, halfway through the song, they went to an interview and they started interviewing him and hearing about his life. And he started to give this story about how he was married with children living in Brooklyn, New York. And he got enticed into the temptation of crack cocaine. Crack destroyed his life. Everything he lived for and worked for suddenly started to become all about getting more cocaine into his body. To a point where he totally disregarded his wife and his children. He would be gone for days at a time. And he showed some of the bridges where he would spend the nights shooting himself up or snorting the crack. Where he had a perfectly good home to be part of. And one night, he decided to go home after being on a three-day binge. And his wife and his children were not at home. And he started getting agitated. He wanted to know where they were. And he said he wanted to go to sleep, but he couldn't sleep until he could figure out where his wife and his children were. So he decided to, to go on a search to go and try to find them. And as he, as he went out, he went to all different places around Brooklyn where they thought they would be, and he couldn't find them. And then he remembered she'd been going to this church. And so he was like, well, maybe she's at this church. It was a Tuesday night, and he walked into the doors of the church, and there were people everywhere. And suddenly, as he walked into the church, he started hearing his name, Calvin. Calvin. He started realizing that there were people in this church crying out to God for Calvin. His wife that night had given a request that the church would cry out for the soul of her husband, Calvin Hunt. And as a church, they started praying and crying out to God, God, save Calvin. God, reveal yourself to Calvin. God, make Calvin clean again. God, bring Calvin home. Bring him out of the dark into the light. And he started hearing his name as he walked into this church. And that night, he walked straight down. He didn't sit at the back. He walked straight down the aisle. And he went right to the front where the stage was. And he knelt at the front. And he cried his eyes out. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He changed his life completely around. That today he's traveling the world. Telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Singing for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because a wife decided to get gritty in her prayers before God for her husband. And no matter what you're going through right now, maybe you're in need of provision. Maybe you're in need of forgiveness. Maybe you're in need of protection because you keep yielding to the same temptation time and time and time again. Maybe there are people in your life and you know they need Jesus Christ. You know you've got a son or a daughter or a father or a mother or a grandchild who is so far away from God. And you need God to do a miracle in their lives. And Jesus is saying, get gritty in your prayer before them. 
get some passion, get some perseverance, and come before the Father. And, and, and do not stop. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep searching until you find the answer. Because your heavenly Father is a just God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in prayer this morning. before we leave today I want us to pray together as a church as families as married couples as friends because some of you in this place today you need God to show up some of you you're struggling to forgive your brother or your sister your friend or your neighbor. Some of you are here today and you honestly need the provision of God because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Some of you are here today and you keep coming yielding to the same temptation time and time and time and time and time again and you keep trying to work in your own power but you cannot overcome it. some of you here today, your heart right now is burning with passion for your friends or your family or your neighbors who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And what I want us to do today, I want us to come before God and I want us to pray with passion and perseverance. And let today be a day that we start getting gritty in our prayers before the Heavenly Father.